Jones. The service here is exquisite despite it being outside mm-hmm. get grounded mm-hmm. and in the parking lot. Yeah, it's, I think it's all right. It's good that they're taking the precautions because of COVID and stuff. You know, uh, oh, hello. Hey, now. Why don't you come over here and sit with us? afternoon and good evening to all those listening out there in podcast land. This is Come Sit With Us. This is episode 18. You voted. So what are you going to do now? I am your host, Mark Flores. And I'm Isaiah Martinez. Isaiah, we've had an exciting week so far. I'm going to get into what we have to talk about in the later very end segment, but I want to prepare the listening audience for what we have in store for them. We've been alive uh, 32 wholesome years, mm-hmm. and I feel that it's a good time to discuss the presidents that have came along the way of our lives, of our lives, and it's going to be a good off-the-cuff discussion talking about all those presidents. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to uh, go through, dude. But uh, to lead to the fact that it's interesting on how we came to this point, I think, in time. So, you know, talking about these presidents in the past, you know, it shows us kind of the pathway that we've taken to get to this, you know, crazy point in time and how it all relates, you know, and how we can even see patterns and, and things like that. So it's going to be a fun topic to, to dive into. Yeah. It's pretty interesting to note that 10 presidents ago, civil rights were kind of non-existent and mm-hmm. it only took a, a matter of a few short years for that to all change, which I'm truly thankful for. So along with what you're discussing and what you brought up, I think that the presidents that we've had along the way definitely helped stepped uh, the country in the right direction. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been a, a slow, I think gradual you know, direction that we've taken, you know, cause with every step or two forward, there's some sort of step backwards too, because, you know, at the same time, it's, it's a tug of war, you know, at times between two political parties and each party has their, their reasons for what they're doing, you know, but so I, I feel like it's a slow, gradual, you know, forward movement, but it's, nonetheless still going i think in the right direction isaiah how dare you say that there's only a two-party system here in the united (laughs) states i wish there were you know ross perot's an independent yeah ross perot's probably (laughs) one of the few independents that like actually can stand out you know (laughs) oh my god there's only an independent that i know right yeah so you know that trying to go independent it's gonna be you're gonna find it very difficult without having that backing of the political party uh regimes regime then you go to talk about regimes nice <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty accurate i want to thank the listening audience see i didn't say studio audience this yeah, time i want yeah. to thank the listening audience for giving us a great turnout for the previous episode it's been a long time we shouldn't have left you without a podcast to step, step two. two right um it's it's good to see that a lot of people are tuning back in yeah, it really is, dude. I I, I, uh, I think that, you know, between you and myself, we will talk about things that are relevant to today. So we're going to always give you that. We're going to always give you an honest opinion. 
Um, and we're going to always try to be transparent about that opinion and talk about things that are very hard to talk about. You know, there was an episode where we went back and we talked about the loss of your father, or, you know, some health things that I was going through and that I would have to admit was very difficult for me to share. And usually I would not share that information, you know? So I'm appreciative though, that like our audience hasn't been rude about that or like has put that in my face, you know? So, uh, for the, for that, I'm pretty thankful for who, you know, who we got listening. I really wish that during this, during any time we record, come sit with us. We were actually at my, uh, oh, I thought you were going to say the, the, we were that at the my, dog would embark. Oh no, no. <laughs> the dog, the dog is pretty much the third, the third, uh, host yeah, of this. Or the helicopter coming and in. And this to... loud helicopter. <laughs> I think it's going to be, I think it's, uh, President-elect Biden coming in for his guest spot. It's Trump leaving. It's, one two. <laughs> it's either Trump leaving or come Biden showing up. We're actually right outside the White House lawn live. live. Live in effect here. <laughs> live at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, but I wish we we were actually uh, over at my favorite bar actually getting, getting served cocktails while yeah. we have our show going on. We haven't actually been there in a minute. Like... I've only been there once during the, uh, I'm trying to remember the last time we've been there. Like that was, I think it was March. all three of us together. We, yeah. We probably did union on Yale and then went over to heroes across the street. I think we mm. did that fe- like February, January. Yeah. 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 I remember the last time we actually went there that we actually had to have the bartender tell us to like talk lower. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they, they decided to, finally have a party uh, like a di- like a actual seating behind us and yeah. normally at that seating area on union on yale uh, in claremont they really don't have any it's just waiting area but then right. they decided to have oh this is a good idea let's have a seating area next to the bar next to the yeah. bar top and you know how crazy we get with discussions and stuff we'll get everybody involved even the bartender right yeah yeah so i wanted to uh, I wanted to talk about this long process and I thought it was just long because we're going amongst a pandemic, but I'm just trying to order a freaking chess set. I, I don't know if you you've known about this, but I've been interested in getting back into chess, no, playing chess. I, have not been in, I did not know you were interested it's back the, in getting back into chess, the game of Kings. So maybe that's why you don't know about it. It's just Where probably... did this come from? Were you inspired from Hector's um, Barbershop or how did this? That didn't come into play, but I've been interested in it because I used to play as a kid. Mm. I wasn't that good. Denny used to school me all the time in chess, but I kind of want to get back into it because, well, I really want to get back into it because I feel it's going to start teaching me a lot more patience. Right now, I I go a mile a minute, like with what I do and how I go about things. I'm not, I'm usually anxious. Yeah. I'm always trying to get things done and finished. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, I don't, I don't like resting on that. But I know that chess definitely helps with help. You know, it helps with patience. You have to be two or three moves ahead, but you can't really, you can't really be that. Uh, aggressive mm-hmm. with with the game you have yeah. to the more aggressive you get the more little reckless you get and you're not thinking yes. about it 
and when you start playing like that chess is a it's a different game it you know like the old adage goes it's not checkers you're playing chess right it's a it's a strategic you know long thought out orchestrated planned attack you know and uh you're playing with different pieces that can do different that have various roles to play and you know even that you can translate that into anything in life you know we're constantly playing chess you know but uh what so what, what kind of set did you what would you uh, order so so this is off of a website and I should have done my research I just like blindly went in and and spent what I spent on it and didn't really do much research on the website I could have just gave my money to somebody but the web the the website I believe is called Square Off and it's a grandmaster chess set mm-hmm. and this chess set has the pieces has the board but the cool thing about this is that it's AI enabled. So if you and I aren't playing in person, you can have the application and play remotely, but I can have the pieces live in front of me and I can have your setup on the other side. And whatever move you do, the pieces will remotely move without me touching them on your side. And I can do my moves as well. That's crazy. Yes. Yeah, that's tight. So my goal this has to be post-retirement because I, I can't see myself really focusing in and trying to get this done because I, I do too many things already. Yeah. I want to be a ch- time to be Bobby Fisher over here. <laughs> <laughs> to the three people that are going to get that Bobby Fisher uh, reference. Um, this is why I come sit with this is for you. I want to be a chess grandmaster. I want to be a really good person that plays chess i want to be the a grandmaster in order for you to be a grandmaster i saw the qualifications you have to play a certain amount of tournaments rank a certain amount of of uh, ranking Mm -hmm. and you have to beat a few grandmasters along the way so this is why post-retirement like when i'm retired i'm gonna go in and try to get this done but in the meantime i will be playing this chess set i will go through for what I spent, I'm going to get a bunch of games off the ground because I don't care if I have to beat like a couple dudes out in Pakistan. Yeah, they're gonna get an international ass whooping from me yeah. because I got to get this going. Like I've invested a lot of money into trying to get into back into chess. Yeah, it's funny when I mentioned this on Instagram, the one person that I never knew played chess. He's like, "Oh, so you really want to get into it, huh?" I'm like. <laughs> It sounded like this guy was really going to take me to like the underground. Yeah, like he was going like, <laughs> to welcome you to the chess community or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he actually gave me some pointers and some information in regards mm-hmm. to that. So to my homie uh, Lazarus Ulack, he knows his name. Uh, I really appreciated that because it's something uncharacteristic of him. He's really, yeah. he's like the... Uh, his personality type is like the hooker with the heart of gold. You know, it's like he, he'll always be like, <laughs> they'll always be mean, but they, yeah. but they have like a Julie Roberts in, yeah, yeah, uh, in pretty right. woman. Right. Right. Uh, once, once he opens up, he's a nice guy, but you know, it's like he, across across the board, he's like a real hard ass. Yeah. So it was really cool for him to actually open up and let me know like, Hey, look, this is what you have to get into to get doing this. And he actually showed me the chess set that, after this pandemic's over that we'll be playing on. Do you remember the old Simpson chess set? 
Vaguely, but actually had like Marge's Queen and Homer's yes. King. Yeah. Yeah, super cool. Yeah. That's the one I wanted. Uh, he actually showed me that chess set. And I used to always see that chess set over at like some specialty stores in the mall. Yeah. And I never thought I'd have enough coin to buy that. But now here I am buying this like AI enabled globally connected chess set that connects to the <laughs> Wi-Fi. And oh my gosh, it's every time something anywhere connects to Wi-Fi it just like bugs me out. So it's like I really want to just play chess and now i have to connect to the wi-fi to play like remotely against some guy over in timbuktu to try to to try to see what's going on with that damn you should just play a uh, ping pong man you should just be like forrest gump and just international just i got the man i got the mental fortitude for that <laughs> i'm already at i like how you just at fell the forrest in, gump i like level. how forrest gump just fell into that though like all of a sudden and he's like right there for like international like discourse it's like he's like solving international yeah, he, just by playing the funny thing is too is like he was slow but he was like an all-american athlete <laughs> it's like he was i guess they did the rankings of it like yeah. in tropic thunder he was all like you can't go sorry to say it but you can't go full retard mm-hmm. and that's how it was with forrest gump he's like forrest gump he's all he was able to play ping pong he's like He's like Rain Man. He's all Rain Man. He's like, yeah, he was slow, but he knew about gambling. He knew about yeah. gambling, and he had a uh, he had ability to count stuff on the ground. Yeah, super genius. <laughs> yeah. Then Ben Stiller's character did Simple Jack, and he just went fully on the level of like a, a ridiculously like mentally disabled kid. And he's like, that's where you went wrong. You went full <laughs> retard. <laughs> oh my gosh, ah, Tropic Thunder, man. It's crazy that movie's made in 08, but now people like aren't accepting it now. Yeah, now they're it's... they're kind of shying the way. People like barely discovered the movie and are ashamed of Robert Downey Jr. What essentially playing a black character and they're calling it blackface when it's not even satirical. It's literally anyway. I don't want no sidetracks. <laughs> We're here to talk about chess. Damn it. Um. So yeah, trying to be a chess grandmaster. I will do a post-retirement. There's nothing that's going to stop me with that. If I'm retired, I'm not going to write a memoir. I know I'm going to be playing chess. I might have to go to the park, play with a bunch of kids. Yeah, in I was going to say Central that. Park you, know, or something. you need to go to like Central Park or something and like school some, you know, some some elderly, you know, in yeah, the take park. Them to school. That would work. Take them to school. Yeah, basically. Speaking of games, I noticed that you we're actually getting back into the retro game scene. Mm-hmm. I saw that you grabbed a Nintendo 64, yeah. the, the console of our childhood. Yeah. You could say the Super Nintendo, but, you know, I, I think the N64 was really that. It was our console. Mm-hmm. It was the console for the for the 30 to 35-year-old demographic. Super amazing. I'm I'm really glad you're getting back into it because games like Super Mario 64 Though they were really good on the NES and the Super Nintendo. Dude, when did you ever see Mario in 3D? Like, fully fledged. You can go any which way with them. Besides, you know, for example, with Super Mario World, you had just a 2D platformer. With this, Super Mario 64? It changed the landscape going forward, for sure. You know, from what was so simple, uh, you know, uh, very easy it was fun. It was engaging and everything. But when you bring it into the 3d world, you have to basically recreate the game because it's not, you can't use that same format because it's 
people are going to want to go explore everything now and go anywhere, which way. So just building that was groundbreaking because that basically set the tone going forward for what Mario worlds and stuff would come out to be, you know? So that process was, it was pretty cool to watch. I mean, I watched, we talked about in the last episode, the gaming historian, we talked about, you know, he kind of breaks it down and shows how, you know, they came out with Mario one, two and three and why they're different all that stuff. And then he talked about them in the game boy, um, how they, the game boy episodes really informative and how that all, you know, has now come to this point where they've created this 3d world. I think, the music, the score, all of it. I mean, there's it, it, it. It's not perfect. Like, I guess the criticisms on Mario uh, 64, Super Mario 64, is that you know there's not a whole ton of levels. Um, and then once you beat a game or once you beat a level, you get kicked back out. So it kind of it kind of delays time on purpose to kind of strip, make the games kind of stretch out a little bit longer. But still, I mean, you can't deny it's one of the most. It's probably the most popular game on the unit 64. You know, it's. Right, the big, biggest title on there, if not yeah. One, there's, top. I I'd say essentially the big four. If you were really trying to enjoy yourself on the sixty four, you go Super Mario sixty four, Super Smash Brothers, Star Fox sixty four, yeah. GoldenEye. That's all you need. You could say, I want to even say for the fifth for the wild card, I really am not fond of Mario Kart sixty four. Because Diddy Kong Racing is freaking amazing. The play, the replay value on on Diddy Kong Racing, you play it once, and then you have to play the tracks in reverse, and then you beat the game. Mm-hmm. Like that's dope. I forgot about the part in reverse. Yeah, yeah. Mario. Right. And, well, Mario Kart sixty four is just tournaments, right? And it's and like you after a... you sweep the tournaments, like what else do you do? No, Diddy Kong Racing actually had like open worlds. Diddy Kong Levels. was a very good Super competitive cool. game to that, actually. I, I forgot, yeah. you know, and they even had different, you know, they have hovercrafts and all this stuff. Remember what? the time Remember the time we went back to playing it? And I remember you and I were playing Diddy Kong Racing. And for those that don't know, Diddy Kong Racing is a little bit different than Mario Kart 64 because the vehicles that you get to choose, for any level, you could choose a freaking plane. Yeah. You could choose a hover uh, hovercraft. Yeah. Or you could choose a, a, a regular cart. Yeah. <laughs> I remember we played this like winter, this winter wonderland level and Isaiah comes in with a freaking plane and here I am with a, with a cart and I, we're just trying to like, I'm trying to beat the level and, <laughs> and I'm like thinking about it. I was like, what, what, what did that ever come into like being a contest where you're like going up against a plane and actually winning? <laughs> right. I know. Right. All of a sudden like, yeah. <laughs> I think Mark, what I got into was, um, uh, I started picking up a couple of games. First game I picked up was, um, I think it was wave race <laughs> out of all games, out of all the racing games. Yeah. Out of all the racing games, I picked up wave race just because of the nostalgic, you know, I remember playing that game when it came out and the feeling of, you know, playing a 3d game and stuff like that. Did, and you did all this through offer up or did you do like retro game offer stores? Up, okay. Offer good, up, good. Straight offer up. Um, and then, uh, I think from that I went to, uh, what game did I get next? I think I got bond. I was like, I gotta have bond and yeah. I gotta have smash brothers. So, so those were the two next ones. And then I got Mario world and Mario Kart um, together on offer up. Um, you know, and this is because I remember I wasn't able to even 
play 64 when it first came out. I didn't get it. I didn't have it until like, I think a year or two later from when it came out. So I was, I was only able to play it at my, you know, cousin's house or somebody who had it. And then I finally got one or whatever. But even then the games cost so much, you couldn't really, I couldn't, I mean, I was a kid. I couldn't really buy a game I wanted. So, you know, I would be able to rent games and play them for like a few days. I never beat Mario world. Um, and then, uh, that, 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 came back like later in my life where I like, I want to be Mario worlds. Like I just want to beat the freaking game already. You don't even have to do that post retirement. Like I'm doing with chess. <laughs> yeah. And I came to find it wasn't that difficult to beat, but at the time when I was younger, it felt like it was almost impossible to beat that game. So I just, you know, I, I felt it was fun and it made me appreciate, you know, uh, the Mario legacy. And you know, when that, when that came, game came out, when I was playing it in front of my niece and nephew, they were like, man, why are you playing that old, that old school game? And I was like, to me, I remember this being like revolutionary. Like this changed the whole freaking landscape. This is why today you can even have the other games that we have on Nintendo switch and all that, you know, wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for this groundbreaking game. So that was, that was, I finally beat Mario world. And when I did that, it was like, you know, this silent, uh, Joyment, the, the silent joy that I had. You know? Did you end up blasting yourself onto the roof to see Yoshi? <laughs> I didn't get to that part. Oh yet. no! Oh. I, I only got to like the enough amount of stars I needed just to be Bowser, <laughs> just to make the cut. Yeah, just to make the cut, and then uh, I still need yeah a couple more stars. It's it's the red coin challenges that suck. Yeah, it's like get, grabbing all the red coins, coins and going from there. That's like the most difficult part because they they hide them well in the later levels. Right. So. After you get, I believe it's 125 stars, the cannon that's outside of Peach's castle actually opens up and you can, I'm, I don't know if you know, yeah. spoilers or not, no, whatever, yeah, I know, I know. but you're able to blast yeah. yourself off to see Yoshi. And Some say that it's kind of, um, it's kind of like sad because Yoshi jumps off the castle like he's suicide. It's like, so <laughs> he's it's like, I'm out. Like, yeah. He just like jumps. He like, he's Yoshi's so sad and depressed or something that he suicides, but it's just you know the internet. The internet they have all yeah, these kind of conspiracies. The internet even claims that there's like a there was there's code enabled for Luigi. There is yeah. code enabled for Luigi in, in Super Mario sixty four, but they didn't end up doing it. Yeah, they ended up having to scrap it because they didn't have enough. I don't know if it was enough time to make it a two player game or whatever it was, but they ended up scrapping it, so it wasn't available. Classic. But now you can play soundtrack. as Yoshi. You can play as Luigi, and because the, they did a remake of it, yeah. so you could do it now. But back so, then, no. So you end up getting a few games, and then. This is where I put in my two freaking cents. Yeah. And from the outside looking in, yeah, you could grab all the carts. Yeah. And you can go and try to buy all the games that you want for the 64. But there's also the other method. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure you knew about it before anything because having you do that ahead of uh, having you do that now, you're going to end up saving you'd end up saving yourself a ton of money because these carts and I'm talking to Isaiah about him wanting to buy more carts. So I just told him, I was like, you could just buy the EverDrive and just download these freaking ROMs. Yeah. Yeah. And Whatever the thing it is, is like, you don't even need the console. You could really just download the ROMs straight off the computer and yeah. And you, you know, can play, play via you know, emulation on that. But I, I did take your advice because, you know, I was on the path of probably collecting a few more cartridges, you know, because I wanted to get a few more. There were still more out there that I wanted. And they're all um, pricey, man. But the pricing, yeah. The pricing still, even if I'm getting on offer up, you got to really kind of search and, and kind of 
wait for somebody who's desperate for just cash, quick cash, because yeah. otherwise you're paying 35, 40 bucks, probably higher sometimes. Or you're depending. doing unfavorable things to even get these games. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. um, but I remember you, you know, you were earlier, you were earlier on this tip before um, I came around to it. I always liked retro games, but I never started my collection of retro games. You know, I remember in the earlier years you were starting that already. I don't know. Um, kind of your thoughts about that. I mean, you did a podcast. You were, you had the retro community. You still have the retro community as part of your oh, man. community base, but like, it was, it was fun for a while, that. but yeah. cause you were I, able to find them in the thrift stores, right? Dude, I was hunting for years on these games. I, I remember I had like multiple copies of the same game just in case I needed to trade them. Yeah. Dude, I was doing Craigslist for a while and just stacking a bunch of games, not paying retail. How has it changed now? Can you find them? Like, I don't see games as much in the thrift stores. So you gotta, you gotta either know somebody or you gotta keep doing the same stores every single day, every single day. Like I would, when I used to work at Rena center, Mm -hmm. like, and I would do midway, midway through deliveries, Mm -hmm. I would just check out thrift stores real quick and like bounce, (laughs) you know, they like, I would risk, I would literally risk a job just to go and try to find them. Um, but, yeah. and I remember you had to collect, and I think now you've, you've, you've kind of gotten over that part where you sold a lot of, Oh dude, it was, it was a hell of a return. Like it yeah. was for me, for what I paid, I'm glad I actually got like three and a half fold yeah. for what I've actually purchased all those games for. Yeah. So it was cool. Like I had a lot of cool rare games, like physical copies of them. Well, it was cool for what it lasted. But the thing is, is that I was chilling in my house one day and I was just like, am I ever going to like fully play all these games and beat them? And like, no, like I just, at one point I, I felt, I was like, Mark, like, are you, what, what are you doing this for now? You're just collecting games. Like to me, it just felt like a big flex. Mm-hmm. And I decided at that point, I was like, well, I did want to start a pin business. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, you know what? I know the perfect thing to jumpstart it. So I've started my first phase of just like going full emulators. Yeah. And like having things on SD cards and replacement and with the cartridge so I yeah. can just play the games physically. Right. And then so after I moved off that, I went and sold all the games. And yeah, so I just you had, literally me. had no remorse for it since because yeah. it was it kind of held me back. Yeah. And that's why I appreciated your insight on that because you helped me kind of jump to the end point without going through the journey, but the journey is kind of like the fun part really. Um, you know, I have a funny story though, cause now that you got me onto the EverDrive, now I have these consoles that I really have no need for. Right. So I put them on offer up. So I put them on offer up, which, which consoles would you, do you not need now? Or I, th- I have a, uh, I have the pod racing star Wars. I have, um, Oh, you're talking about the Mario oh, Kart the games. Yeah, yeah. My bad. The games. I have Mario Kart. I have, I have donkey Kong. So, so anyways, I, I put them all on offer up. So a guy hits me up right away. Right. And he is like, yeah, I'm interested in uh, Mario Kart, man. If you got it, I'm like, yeah, I got it, man. Come through. <clears throat> so he comes through and he, and he, well, before he comes through, he texts me. Hey, uh, is the, uh, how's the labels the label? Good. And so I'm like, yeah, it's good. So as I sold them, yeah, it's good. I started looking at the cartridge. I'm like, mm, cause when I got it, whoever had it, they had some sort of like, it was like dried up. I don't know if it was dried up liquid or something that kind of stained it, but the whole label itself looked clear enough. Like it looked fine if you look at yeah. it from far away, but when you look closer to it, it had like a little like stain or whatever. 
So I was telling him, yeah, it was good. So I started, I got a Clorox wipe. I wiped the sides of it because it was a little scruffed up. So I yeah. wiped the side of it. Then I started wiping the label. And then I kind of like, I was trying to scratch off that, that, um, that sticky part of it. And then I scratched the label. Aww. So then I'm thinking, I'm like, dude, this guy just asked me like if this label was good. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's good. When it, when Mario's nose is all fucked up, it's like, <laughs> it's all scratched off now. <laughs> and it's funny because I took the picture, I took the picture, right. And posted on offer up and it looks clean. Right. And now it's all scratched. <laughs> so anyways, I'm like, dang dude. So anyways, the guy shows up. I come outside and I'm like, all right, yeah, here it is, dude. You know what you think about it? I know it has a little, it's a little rough, you know. And he's like, ah, oh, yeah, it is a little rough. But he goes, you know, it's it's for my uh, little brother's birthday. You know, maybe he'll he'll just get another label. I'm like, heck yeah, nice. So he gives me the cash or whatever. It's crazy because like, hey, the return on those video games, you know, the prices. Yeah. So like, Mario, dude, Mario Kart's going for fifty bucks. Like yeah. it's going for like fifty or sixty bucks. I don't know what you paid for an offer up or whatever, yeah. but it's like, dude, the going rate of it, it's it, all it these up. games are expensive. Yeah, Golden Eyes like twenty twenty five bucks. Like, yeah, it's it's insane. Yeah, now that I think about it, I should try to sell it on eBay instead of offer up because offer up, people try to like you know. Yeah, but then eBay lot. needs their ten percent, and yeah. that's the only thing that sucks. That's another thing too. Yeah, so. everybody needs their cut. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> eBay, eBay, eBay does, does me dirty too. Like yeah. I ended up selling a, a lot of my wrestling DVDs. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of phasing all that out. Like I'm just trying to like be a little bit more minimalistic. Yeah. I want to have room for more things that aren't DVD related. Yeah. So I had, I, I got a good sale off of it, but I know eBay's taking their 10%. So it's just... It's one of those things. It's the nature of the beast. So that's cool, man. I'm, uh, it's cool that you're yeah. getting back into the retro game thing, uh, especially with the 64. You can't yeah. really beat that. I Star Fox 64 to me, I remember replaying that game and actually with with like the more insight of what you do to actually beat all the levels. Oh, man. It was brand new to me because I ended up doing the alternative ending where Star Fox's dad helps him out at the end. And yeah, that. dude, it is pretty cool. I don't want to spoil it for you. So, and then I end up finding out if you go a certain route, you know how in Star Fox 64, you have like three options. You have yeah. the easy option, you have the difficult, and then you have like, why would you do this option? Mm-hmm. So I ended up doing, why would you do this option? And dude, I ended up finding a whole, like all these levels I never thought I'd ever get to, I ended up doing. And it's like, because I went that route, it's like, it was like a whole different scene. Like it's just different. It's like an alternative ending to a movie. Yeah, right. You ended up finding, I ended up finding like a, 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 a female pilot along the way too. like that. It would help us out during these battles. It was super cool. Like Star Fox 64 <laughs> to me is freaking amazing. She got, um, a, she got a girl even through that. I know I even though the disappointing series of games for the 64 to me, mm-hmm. because that they're, because they're so, impressively made on other consoles Mm -hmm. the castlevania series of games on the 64 terrible terrible (laughs) six castlevania for the nes Uh one through three amazing super castlevania four for the super nintendo one of the best games of all time some games don't translate well uh, like 3d world castlevania could have been done right but it wasn't done right yeah so yeah duke nukem was the one that was tough for me because I was now maybe it's different because I'm now in this time. But when I was playing it just recently, 
it's super dark. Like I could barely even see anything. I'm like, <laughs> same thing with Doom sixty four. How can anybody even see anything in this? It's so dark. But uh, I don't know. Maybe at the time it was different. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's good, man. Well, so EverDrive definitely recommend it for those who don't know about it. You can, I think they have a website. You can find. You can Google EverDrive and you'll find yeah. it. Um, they do it for Super NES and I think NES and then sixty four. Um, yeah. And essentially, all it is is a cartridge. It's a, it's a wiped cartridge, and, but it has an SD slot, so you can put a micro SD into that. All you would have to do is download ROMs and stuff. And yeah, well, we're I not telling you. We're to not do telling that. you that to do that. <laughs> Forward disclaimer. <laughs> we're not. Some restrictions apply to do that. Yeah, I'm just, but but it, the stuff is, is there. I'm saying hypothetically. No, I'm just there kidding. you go. There you go. Sound like <laughs> a true politician right here. You know, hypothetically what's possible you know <laughs> i'm digging myself in what's deeper. possible <laughs> it is possible to do that yeah right so uh once again ladies and gentlemen you guys are listening to come sit with us uh we are in episode 18 a healthy yep. amount of episodes so far yeah it's pretty cool that we've gotten 18 episodes deep. I'm Mark Flores. This is Isaiah Martinez. And that's the dark, the barking dog that's been here yes. for the last two segments. Yes. Um, but, you know, I think it's it, it provides the... The real, like, I can't realism. even make shit up to, like, try to <laughs> make this sound. Of, and the thing is, like, usually she's pretty cool. But right now... Oh, so it's your dog. Something's, something's, uh, something's making her agitated well yeah i, <laughs> I know well. i know i know something that made old yeller quiet <laughs> wow dude <laughs> no uh your dog old your Yeller dog's so sad dude. doing your dog's doing uh her job being a security well, dog the more you talk about it the more she's getting upset man she's <laughs> like what you know yell at me <laughs> so before we get into our main segment at the end of um at the end of this episode I think it's it's about time we start talking about because of the post as, uh, the post election results. Uh-huh. We big. actually have confirmation that we actually have a new president. Big deal, big, big deal. Big Joe Biden. Uh-huh. Uh Let's talk about the presidents that we've grown to know over the last 32 years we've been alive. Uh it's, it's been a very interesting ride so far with some of them that we've yeah through research that we ended up educating ourselves on. So I've listed them out. I have all of them on the list here that the audience doesn't see, but I'm pointing to something. Uh, Let's talk about them. So the first president that we've knowingly know about, we had to go two presidents before, before we fully like consciously knew about our presidents, Mm -hmm. Ronald Reagan, Mm -hmm. the first Ameri- you know, a, 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 an actual actor then became the go- a governor yeah. and then became a president. Yeah, there, a lot of people draw similarities, you know. I don't know if it's a lot of people or, or Trump himself, but draw similarities to, you know, Reagan and his camp. Um, you know, Reagan was uh, somebody who who came in, I think, was it after Lyndon B. Johnson? Am I right or wrong on that? Lyndon B. Johnson? No, no. you're thinking Jimmy Carter. In? He came in after Jimmy Carter. Because Reagan was, what, 80 to 84? He did two terms? 
And then before that was Jimmy Carter. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So uh, Jimmy Carter. So Reagan came in, and Jimmy Carter only served one term on that, right? That's right. So he served one term. Yeah, because it, it goes like this. Jimmy Carter actually installed solar panels on mm-hmm. the White House. And then as soon as Reagan came in, he was like, get this shit out of here. This is about oil, baby. Wow. He was the first. Yeah. He, he had solar panels up, and Reagan was like, get that shit out yeah. of here. Uh, and that when when Reagan took office, it was kind of known as a big deal. Like there was like a big coalition behind him. It was a kind of like a transformation that people say of the Republican Party um, and then, you know, became into a Reaganism uh, type of yeah. thing, um, which was really about what like tax cuts and and um, removing regulations and stuff like that yeah. mainly and the good old trickle down economics with, trickle down he, economics he tried to give everyone the belief that if you give less tax cuts to the uh, to the upper elite that all those benefits will essentially trickle down to the uh, middle class and lower class uh, lower class yeah. citizens right right and I mean I guess in theory theory I think you know, in an ideal world where everything works out perfectly, perhaps that could be true. Um, but the problem with that is that not everybody's, you know, not all um, elites are going to probably do that. Or maybe or, they might, maybe they won't, but m- most probably have other agendas. Or I'm even guessing. most CEOs won't do that. Mm-hmm. I've well, so it's, I mean that that's a that, that's there's room there for a debate for sure on whether right, or not that right. would actually or if it's been proven or not to work or if there's a pattern of that working. I mean I, we can go into that, but um, essentially that's what Reagan was about though, and, and his philosophy about you know the economic principles that he, he was already uh, a little older. I think he so Donald Trump has the record for being the the oldest president. Yeah. So but Reagan Reagan looked older. By a long shot. Yeah, I feel like I, I, I feel like back in the days, like people who were like our age now looked older for some reason. But hmm. I don't know, maybe it's just because of our perspectives. I don't know. But uh or but it's the benefits of plastic surgery. I have loads of it. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. Or maybe now <laughs> that you know, now that technology has come around where we've, you know, been able to do certain enhancements or whatever, we have more knowledge now so we can you know, apply those to our health and overall well-being. I don't know. Maybe that's different. So maybe that's why we look younger now. I don't know. Well, but, it's good seeing that there's a lot of enhancements out there. Yeah. I yeah. know. I, I enjoy seeing them. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, when Reagan came in, it was a, it was a big coalition and things behind him. Um, uh, what, what do you think about, about his presidency? I mean, I'm more along the fact that it was, Ronald Reagan and I, and I hate targeting him about this, but they ended up a lot of people ended up losing their VA benefits mm-hmm. and especially people post Vietnam war ended up just being carted off into the street. And it was a large population of our homeless for a long time. Granted Reagan had nothing to do with their actions, but it's just like, he's always going to be tagged with that, with mm-hmm. being the one that, Hey, look, he took, uh, he took all the vets out of, uh, out of, out of help and actually just brought him out into the street. The main idea that I usually get from Reagan is that he wanted to initiate the star Wars program. And I remember he vividly said, he's all, 
I wonder if, if this is just me paraphrasing it, but he ended up saying to, at the UN at a UN summit, he was just saying, "I think the only time that everyone will get together is get together and actually fight something is actually when people would see an outside extraterrestrial threat." So he actually said, "He's like, hey." The only time that we're actually all going to get together and do something about something else, like and actually unify mm-hmm. as a world, mm-hmm. is that is like the old Independence Day thing where we all have to unite to defeat something that comes outside of our Earth. And that was when I learned about that, especially in the infancy of my like extraterrestrial like UFO education. I thought that was a very bold statement for someone to say because. For a long time, all the UFO, whether it's document sightings and issues, no one talked, not presidents didn't talk about that. No Mm. one wanted to talk about that because it was taboo. You would be crazy to think that flying saucers were were actually real or that was actually an issue because in cinema, they were just they were just the sci fi topic of the day. It came from Planet X. You know, it came from space. Like those were the people that those were like the the villains of their times, especially during the 60s and uh, the 60s and 70s. So it was really taboo to talk about that. So when actually Reagan came out in the 80s and started actually discuss that, it's just, well, look, it's that's a serious issue that you have to talk about now because we don't know what the hell's out there. Mm hmm. At, at any point, at any point in our lives, there could be a multitude of things that could come our way in a form of a threat from the outside. You know, you have, I can go, pending asteroid. Uh, you have the fact that we're so small in scale, our sun is nowhere near the largest sun. We are literally microscopic out there in the universe. Something, a, a big spacecraft can just run us over. With no effect, it 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 could be that serious. Um, there's tons of crap that I don't even want to dive into right now. But there's just impending threats out there, and one of them can be extraterrestrial invasion. So that's one of the things that Ronald Reagan brought out to everyone's like, uh, "Hello, everyone. The only time that we're all going to get together, and it may happen in this lifetime or the next, is that." If there's ever an extraterrestrial issue, we all have to unite and put our resources together and put our pride aside and actually fight this thing. For for close reference, mm-hmm. I reference Independence Day, <laughs> where the <laughs> president actually went into a jet and fought too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. So that. that's what I really remember about Reagan. You know, it's not, there's nothing... Um, there's nothing that I was personally impacted by him on my end, you know. But uh, those are the things that I really, really remember about him. When I think of Reagan, uh, I think of like hardball. I think of somebody who's, um, he's not afraid to kind of say it and um, and not afraid to make change, whether that might be removing the regulations that were imposed at the time or trying to actually uh, change things up. So that's kind of what I think about in him. And there are, you know, that, that legacy is kind of, as we see has still 
been something that the Republican Party has still looked to um, because they believed that at the time that kind of worked. But I think along with any president, every president has their their um, their problems during their their presidency. So I don't right. think any president's been able to work out everything perfect for everybody to disagree. So I think there's definitely things that um, that Reagan could have, you know, done better throughout his presidency as well. Yeah. As you know, with every president, I think that. Yeah, he even got a assassination attempt too. I remember yeah, that. It's a that good old uh, Sirhan Sirhan was the guy that, that uh, actually shot him. Didn't he get shot? He actually got shot. You have to check that out. Oh, oh yeah. Shit. We'd have to check that out. But yeah, um, I know that Sirhan Sirhan is the guy that shot him. But or uh, all I saw was an assassination attempt and it didn't look that that serious. But yeah, it, he was shot and wounded. Oh, OK, but it was by Sirhan Sirhan, right? That was the guy. Um, let's see. Um, Ron was wounded by check. John Hick- Hickley. Oh, John Hickley oh OK. Well, Sirhan Sirhan's probably the guy who shot the Pope. So I'm thinking about anyway. Yeah. yeah. John Hickley Jr. Was the guy. Oh man. They always have like every assassin, every assassin <laughs> always has the first middle and last name. Yeah, like no, they always right. like want to <laughs> have John that Hickley just so Jr. they know just because, you know, there's always a, a, a Lee Oswald out there. He's like, Hey, that's Lee Harvey Oswald. That's not me. You know, that's people trying to cover their bases. So yeah. Feel what's up with John Hickley senior. I wonder what he thought about the whole thing. I don't know. Yeah. So then we had who we had uh, Bush Senior. Bush Senior, who Desert also did Storm. one term. Had, no. Oh, read my lips. No more taxes. That's what I remember by him. Now, and then I, when I think about Bush Senior, I think about a different kind of Republican. I think of like elite Republicans. I think when I think of Bush Senior. Oh man, he and he had his paws and everything too, because even mm-hmm. beforehand he was he headed up the CIA. Right. Yeah. And, you know, there's, I mean, Bush Sr. is involved in some conspiracy theories, I know for sure. Um, So a lot of conspirators think about that when they think about Bush Sr. But um, just on a general level as a president, I think I see him as somebody who got involved with a lot of world um, issues. But I think more or less for our interest. um, It was the first step into a lot of occupations yeah. in 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 uh i don't want to say it well let's say in countries in the middle eastern section mm-hmm. of the of the world mm-hmm. i think of bush senior as a like an elite globalist to be honest i think of oh, that's as, well said i agree with that <laughs> I think wholeheartedly he, he would fall in that category a different type of republican you know i think of the republican party as you know, ideally, I would see it as for the republic. I would see it as for people, you know, for the people who care about traditional values, whatever, you know, that it, may be. It's funny you mention that mm-hmm. because as for people, for people that, and I myself, uh, registered Republican. Oh, that's a big shocker for everyone. That's a big but shocker whatever. for me. Um, yeah, I, am, I didn't think so. I, it's the first time we're ever talking about this, but yeah. hell, you know, amongst the election climate, forget it. You know, let's talk about <laughs> it. But the the issue that I see now with Republic and like through all mm-hmm. Republics, even starting from where it actually started from Greece, ancient Rome. The issue about the Republic is that if you don't get citizens that are directly from, you know, you're if you get citizens that are, you know, 
actually middle class people that get elected to be Republicans, you then get a better lens of who you have to give these funds to or who you're actually helping. Mm -hmm. But if you end up having the republic that we have now or republicans that we have now which i'm i am strong to say i'm very confident in saying that a lot of them do not know a hard physical day of work or i i don't think they got it tough like they don't they didn't have the hard life Mm -hmm. that's my ideal so once that starts to happen Mm -hmm. they don't see the same struggles that middle class people lower class people see and that's the genesis of all issues of republic is that you just have elected people that aren't for the citizens. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, yeah, like you're saying, um, I think there's kind of a mesh of that right now in the Republican Party. There's a there's a portion of Republicans who believe, you know, in lesser government, believe in more freedoms, believe that everybody should, you know, that states should be able to have mainly sovereign governance for, for the most yeah. part. Um, and that we will all be able to figure it out in this free capital market type yeah, of world. And, I'll, and I'm That'd all more for competitive, that more innovative. That's kind of the idea of Repu- like a traditional, what a common average Republican believes. And, and without free enterprise, we wouldn't have technological advancements mm-hmm. because why would you want to try to advance technology if there's no, if there's no gain from it. Yeah. You think right. I I an example would be Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk is definitely doing stuff for the people, but at the end of the day what he's trying to do, yes, he is trying to benefit mankind, but there's definitely the uh the good paycheck that comes with it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's cool that you we see him as a pioneer and everything, but again, it's it's he definitely has a better a better life because of it. Yeah, and so. I think what's meshed in this is that even though we you know we believe in more um, freedoms and less taxes and stuff like that, the problem I think were my criticisms on the Republican Party is that you know what's mixed in there is that they also want to reduce taxes for the wealthy. And in one sense you think, well, well, you know, we should maybe that, that if they do tax the wealthy, that that will trickle down. But the problem with that is the problem with that is that if you do that, then what if that, what if that doesn't work in that ideal philosophy? What if if you are now just, having the wealthier get wealthier and then the, the poor get poor, which is basically then that's when um, Democrat, you know, philosophy comes into play, you know, and the criticism to, to that. So I feel like within our own Republican party, that's kind of meshed. And I think that's why you have a lot of um, Democrats uh, who are opposing of that. Cause you know, I don't think anybody would agree that a healthy system would be ideally for the rich to just get richer or the poor to get poorer. I don't think anybody would agree that that is uh, the right way. Um, and so I think somehow, I don't know, down the line, somehow it happened where the Republican Party is a mesh of that, you know. So... I understand why a Republican is a Republican, but 
there also is that that's in the, that's in play. So, you know, at the same time, it's good that we have a, a democratic party because it does exploit those, those holes, you know, and I think Republican party exploit the holes in the democratic party. They both exploit holes in each other. But, um, uh, I think, uh, I don't really know where I was really going with that, but I just wanted to explain that. I think in the Republican Party, you know, why somebody is Republican essentially is because they believe in, you know, more freedoms and uh, they believe in more sovereignty, you know, amongst the states and not, they believe in less government. They want more freedom basically for the people, for the common people. But in the midst of that, you have these elitists who are also in our party who also want to lower taxes for the wealthy. Got so it. it's an interesting, it's an interesting, uh, it's interesting how this has become this melting pot, but you know, on the left too, there's also elitist as well on the left as yeah. well who have maybe similar type of agendas, you know, and that's where, you know, that's where I think where Donald Trump would come into play, but I know we have a couple more presidents to yeah. talk about. A quick little, uh, sidebar, uh, George Bush senior is actually the first, president to get punched by homer simpson remember that remember the episode where he episode yeah Yeah, he lives across the street from the simpsons and and homer like hates george bush senior like he moved bush senior moves in across the street yeah and (laughs) and and bush uh bush senior ends up spanking bart and homer is pissed about that so he ends up like fighting him Oh, good it's for funny. Homer. And then he actually like becomes really good friends with former president Gerald Ford. It's wow. funny, funny stuff. <laughs> the, the next, uh, the next president we have up on this, uh, this timeline is Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. Now, Bill Clinton. First thing that comes up to me is actually him being an unlockable character on NBA jam. Really? Yes. I do not remember yeah, this. Yeah. So in NBA Jam, all you, I think the code is <laughs> ARK for because yeah. he was a he was an actual uh, governor of Arkansas. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You just type in <clears throat> ARK and you can unlock him. Her, wow. Him, Hillary Clinton. You can't unlock Hillary Clinton. Yeah, Hillary Clinton's in there too. She wow. was. Yeah. She was. Believe it or not, she was actually doing her thing back then too. Um. So I remember Bill Clinton for that. I remember his signature being on the Presidential Physical Fitness Award. Mm. It was like the award you'd get if you do like more push-ups than anyone else in your class or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was I, crazy. I like, like there was Bill like a Clinton, big physical fitness initiative. I feel like Bill Clinton is probably like one of the more popular presidents that we ever, ever had. Played uh, the sax at the Arsenio Hall show. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a pretty. I mean, good for Arsenio Hall. Can you imagine that, that? Ha- to happen. You meant because all they did was actually they like revealed it, and he's playing the sax, mm-hmm. sunglasses on. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool to see because it's it kind of it kind of showed you that hey, look, presidents aren't really all like oh dear, like they're not too, they're not that cool. You know, they're 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 cool. They're not yeah. uptight. Mm-hmm. You know, he was actually a more youthful, a more youthful looking president, despite yeah. the uh, bed of gray hair he had at the top. He was. I think he got a lot done his first term as well. Um, he got us out of debt. Remember that? I remember he actually we ended up getting um, getting rid of our national debt during his during his time. 
I, yeah, I would say things were pretty smooth at, during his time. You know, I don't remember a whole lot of friction. Oh, I, I, I know there was a whole lot of friction happening in that Oval Office. <laughs> hey, you set it up. I have to tee it off, dude. Uh-huh. <laughs> but until that moment, yes. That, yeah. That was his biggest, biggest, I think, scandal, whatever. Well, yeah, it was the number one scandal with him. Yeah. Shacking it up with one of your interns, huh? Yeah. But it's like one of those scandals, like the American, I think for the most part, <laughs> don't mind as much you know well they kind of like i hear it's you too it's it's kind of relatable in a sense you know uh i think you know because of that happening you know uh people imagine the first you mentioned hillary like how she just yeah. looks pissed from now on from that moment like every look that she gets is like I, yeah. i'm i'm pretty i'd, I'd be I'd, i wouldn't be surprised if if bill's still sleeping on the couch yeah and you know supposedly i guess you know with Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky, it started with um, them sharing interest on this, on this um, author. I forgot the author's name right now, but it was um, it was like a poet author who would write these poems and, and he made a book or whatever. So, anyways, Bill Clinton gave this to Monica Lewinsky as a gift. He gave her like a po- poetry book of this, her favorite author or whatever. And so when she got that, she was just like, "Oh my god!" You know, like she was like feeling pretty special right and i guess his i don't know his aide or whatever organized it in a way where they give him some space and probably that's when all uh, i didn't know that yeah oh. uh and the poet he would talk about he would talk about kind of like a the earth mother nature you know that was kind of his whole thing um and they related on that subject and talked more about that and oh. um and ended up yeah. finding relations upon relating to that. Yeah, when that came out, man, dude, that was that blew that my was, mind. I was I was only ten years old. That. Yeah, but I'm still thinking. I was like, when when I ended up having that explained to me, I'm like, wait, well, why is our president in trouble? Mm-hmm. Oh, he did what? Yeah. But he's married. <gasps> I remember oh, Eminem exploited that pretty in his first come out like debut. Trilogy. Oh, when he had the press conference. Yeah, he interrupted t- the Simpsons for it. I was pissed. Well, I was going to say Eminem when he came out with the, hi, my name is... J- oh, Sick. yeah. You know, M- Slim Shady put that in his music video. Oh, yeah, because he had like a bootleg Bill Clinton in yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. So it became very pop culture-esque at the time about that. And I guess the Republican Party ran by uh, Greenrich, Newt Greenrich. Oh, yeah. He the was House speaker. He was the House speaker at the time. And nice. he tried to impeach, you know, President uh, Bill Clinton at that time. It, which didn't work. It backfired yeah, exactly. and actually, you know, yeah, it didn't, it didn't work. Actually out prompted a second term, didn't it? Uh, so he got into the second term. I don't know if it prompted it or not, but. Well, cause he does 94 to 98. Yeah. And so from back to 2000, 2001. No, no, I don't Hold think on. so. So he did. I 94 to 98. No, because Bush is Bush goes after that. Bush is 2000, yeah. 2001. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of more or less what I remember from Clinton's, uh, era. We, we didn't talk about the, the Berlin wall. That was back at, that was Reagan's. That was Reagan's. Yeah. Yeah, We missed that, but yeah, that was a big deal too. That was a, that was like a, they called it, what did they call it? The curtain? What? The Berlin wall? Yeah. The iron, what? The iron curtain? No, that's the picture. That's the Pittsburgh Steelers defense from the, from the seventies. Terry Bradshaw, baby. 
So that was a big deal <laughs> because that, that was yeah, that was a big deal too. But um, yeah, yeah. So Clinton, that that's more or less kind of what I remember was. He was not a, a lot. Not a lot happened. President. Like nothing. Like, well, what am I missing around that time? Like from because Clinton had the scandal. Clinton had Arsenio Hall. Um, I'm not going in anything else besides that. I mean, I'm I'm kind of drawing a blank on that. That's yeah. kind of good, not dealing with a lot of issues as president. Yeah, that's why I say that he was a very popular, you know, president. And I don't think not I a lot of in conflict history, in history. I don't know if he'll be remembered as much. You know. Yeah, because I'm looking at Reagan post Vietnam, post Cold War, Bush Senior, Desert Storm, right? Clinton, I a low what? period, yeah. a low period of any of nothing. Yeah, because everyone else did have to deal with something. We'll get into that with. Yeah. George Bush Jr., former owner of the Texas Rangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually owned a baseball team, which I thought was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Um, but man, this guy was one of the first presidents, or I looked up, I looked, I looked up to him and said, "Yeah, I could probably run this country better than you can." Yeah. Um, I, I say that looking, you know, I say that now, but it's like I can't. Bro, now he like was like one of the he was like kind of the first presidents that I've seen where the media not media but a lot of the late night shows media would make fun of his almost kind of make fun of his intelligence a little bit yeah because, they portray him as an idiot and it's yeah. like man like it's that was the first time I started seeing that happen where a president would be portrayed as an idiot which probably rightfully so there were there were tons of quotes that they could you know, show where it sounds like, I think it was a quote about the uh, fool me once shame on you that, that way he kind of mixed it up a bit. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he had those moments, but uh, that was a kind of the first time I seen that being done in a way where they portray, uh, portrayed him like that. Uh, There was a lot of like cartoons and stuff done like that. A lot of late night talk shows talking about him in that way too. Um, So he he was kind of used as a, as a punching bag a little bit, but yeah, I feel he was just a mini me of Bush Senior. Um, oh, for the absolutely. Most part, you know? He, I don't know why, but he wanted to impress Bush Senior so bad, it wasn't even funny. He was all like, "Oh wait, there could be some weapons out there in the Middle East. Let's go." The bright spot was after nine eleven. He did. He was able to galvanize uh, the country, both from both sides of the aisle and kind of have that was everybody a good, together. Yeah. It was a big patriotic re- resurgence mm. because of, because of what ended up happening. It was unfortunate. Uh, he's not the first president to have, you know, actual attacks on American soil. Yeah. You could technically count FDR for Pearl Harbor. Yeah. But it's still, um, this is a direct, this is directly on American soil. Yeah. Counting, Counting Pearl Harbor, you can't really, um, but you can definitely uh, say that this has been a second attack on the U.S. Conspiracy. Nine Eleven was also just... revolve around Nine Eleven. You and I talked about that as well. Yeah, being something. Uh, so he has some criticisms there. But one of the things that I think Bush will be remembered for, um, Junior, is he expanded the power of the executive branch um, and made it possible where they can do more as a president yep. you know um patriot act was another biggie that you know a lot of um people in the uh in the white house or the government wanted 
kind of more access to and they a lot, were able a lot to of people shy away from that yeah. and it's like well if you're it's one of those things where if you're not doing anything illegal what do you have to worry about mm-hmm. you know yeah, oh he could tap in your phone lines. What, what are you doing stealing illegal cable what do you, come on mm-hmm. you're you're not big league enough for people to be prying into your life that, that was also the first instance of the issue of privacy because during you know clinton's era privacy wasn't really a big thing technology wasn't fully there yet i mean you know so now that technology has started to show its head privacy became an issue too because of the internet and the explosion of you know technology mobile phones and everything like that that's kind of the first example of that um privacy being an issue to where nowadays it's a big issue privacy so that that's another thing about him yeah i've I've never seen a more accurate satire of George Bush Jr. than Frank Caliendo when he does George Bush. Yeah, that guy made a living making fun of George <laughs> Bush. It's an easy Jr. impression to do too. So I, is Bill Clinton. That, you know what I actually haven't noted here? Yeah. That that he's actually one of the easiest presidents. All you have to do is kind of like look like you're looking into the sun. Yeah. And then SNL just like, like just talk it. like this. Yeah. And you almost got George Bush Jr. down a pack. <laughs> you know, you could do, you know. Fool me once, shame on you. Like, yeah. yeah. He, yeah to, very... You know, Bill Clinton is kind of like this. Yeah. Because you have to have a little bit of a drawl at the end, but you can't have it all <laughs> with Bill. Because he tries to tries to talk like he doesn't have the draw anymore being from Arkansas. Man, yeah, because everyone else, like Ronald Reagan sounded way, like, super wholesome. Sounded yeah. like he could do, like, a Pepperidge Farm commercial. Yeah. Yeah, but George Bush Sr., I mean, who else did a... Pre- Phil Hartman did a good impression of George Bush Sr. Even Obama's an easy one to do, too. Oh, uh, gee. American people. American people. He's, he's one easy, day at a time. Yeah. We'll go and achieve. <laughs> How you doing? Good morning. Yes, we can. Yeah. Yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to run next? I got ups. <laughs> Who got next? Can you imagine like, imagine just playing hoops and all of a sudden Barry comes up with like a couple of secret service. Hey, you guys want to run? <laughs> who who got next? Yeah. I, I, think I, I think I should get next. <laughs> yeah, I think I should have next. Curry, get over here, Curry. Oh, Let me show goodness. you a thing or two. Yeah. So going into that, we actually have the first president that I actually went to the polls for and voted for. It's Barack Obama. And he was and facing off Kerry at the time, I think, right? Or was it? Yeah, John. Uh, well, no, wasn't John Kerry. He was actually. John Kerry. He, who faced John Kerry? Somebody faced John Kerry. No, John Kerry's Democrat. So he faced yeah, Bush, huh? Yeah. He faced Bush, I think. Mm-mm. No, because remember, Bush does his two terms. It was. Barry was facing off against John McCain first. First. John and McCain. then it was. Um, right. Because that was when. Uh, Sarah Palin came into the play. Yes. Came into play. Yes. Yeah. So then the next one you had Mitt Romney. Oh, that, and that was right. tough too, because it go. was just me being a Republican. I'm like, dude, he has some good points. The Barry yeah. has some good points. So it, that was a tough one for me to, for me to actually vote and for Barry at the end of it. But his initiative to get, um, uh, to renewable energy off the ground, I was all for it. And mm-hmm. for some reason, Mitt Romney, I don't know who was in his pocket, but he was talking about coal like it was the like it was the 1800s. He's like, mm-hmm. we're gonna get coal back into the business. I was like, bro, like chill. Like, what do you want this to be? Like 1800s England and just have people do be chimney sweeps? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think doing something like that is a quick 
Band-Aid, but it's not really a solution to long-term. Versus renewable energy. Look at, and look at what we have now. We have, you know, plug-in hybrids, we have Mm -hmm. plug-in cars and we have Gavin Newsom's initiative to like get everyone on electric cars by like 2030 or something like that. Or Mm -hmm. that's, I'd love to see that happen in California. Mm -hmm. That's a big state. Anyway. Yeah. Barry, the first president I, the first president that we really all got on MySpace for and tried to get off the ground. I yeah. felt like it was like an underground type of thing to get him going to get yeah. him to be president. Yeah, because a lot of people towards the end of Bush Jr. started to kind of ha- did not like his approval rating went down for sure. Mm-hmm. Bush Jr. So that was a time that we were looking for. Uh, we were looking for somebody to uplift us. I think as a country, we were looking for somebody who was, um, who was going to bring some hope. No, I was looking for a baller. I was looking for a president <laughs> who was balling. A balling president. Dude, that is know. the fact that I was just like when I saw him hoop. He's for his age, he can hoop. That was the craziest thing that like first came to me. I was just like, he's he's a very young, a younger president when he started. And the the one downside that I have to say about it is like, man, he was really worn down by the set by the end of the second term. Mm-hmm. He was just like, oh, I'm tired of this shit. I gotta go. Like, I would I'd be mad too because yeah, no, nothing was getting done with him. Nothing it was getting well. His what he wanted to get done couldn't have gotten uh, couldn't have gotten done because the House was all Republican. Yeah. So uh, towards the end of his term, like the last two years. The House turned Republican, and so did the Senate. Oh, so that's right. He yep. basically yeah, so couldn't make anything, yeah, any was, real two, changes. Two to one at the end of his two years. Yeah. Right. So uh, a lot of uh, he had a lot of criticism at the time. People saw it as kind of a defeat. Um, but then what did he do? He he had ten executive orders ready to go into play. He uh, he added parents to DACA. He added. Uh, he had he had uh, added some more uh, initiatives. I think he could do in his executive power. Yeah. So um, you might as well exercise he, that he if you're not going to get the approvals yeah. out there. He put them all into play. I, I think you know with Obama, he started with a lot of energy. He was able to get I think um, some legislation passed. I mean, big one for me right off the bat. I think of is Affordable Care Act. Now it has its it has its holes. Um, it's not perfect. Uh, like for one, and this is a big criticism that the elite Republicans criticize on it, is that it doesn't actually do what it's supposed to do and, and cover everybody. I think that's true. It doesn't cover everybody. Um, but I don't know if that's a real legitimate gripe of the Republican Party. I think Repu- elite Republicans are just saying that be- just because they don't want that, you know. But um, anyways, that is a problem. The higher premiums, there were some uh, who were saying that they were they were costing more, you know, uh, and that it, the premiums were and the co-pays or whatever were too high for those who were going to be using um, the the Medicaid and all that. So um, that was another criticism to it. But taking a look at that plan, um, it expanded Medicaid, which made it available. Basically, you got more people on healthcare. Bottom line, bottom line, you got more people on healthcare. But not only that, you um, you also got other sub um, departments that were working at new ways for health innovation. Um, there was other things where uh, 
where there was certain regulations where it required the um, the pharmaceutical whatever to be more transparent, and it also required them to cover people who were with pre-existing um, illnesses. Like say, if I had like diabetes or or, or um, issues with my heart, you know, before I got the insurance, you know, the insurance yeah. could reject me just because of my pre-existing um, already pre-existing disease. conditions. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, he made it where they would have to take you on like that. But because of that, as a result of that, because they would have to take on somebody with pre-existing conditions, they made it possible to do that by making a pool, a pool of people. So a pool, a pool of people who are both sick and healthy. That way the insurances can cover that at a good premium cost. Otherwise, it's just going to be a higher premium because you're sick. So they made it as a pool to get the cost lower for everybody. But in order for that to successfully work, there has to be an individual mandate where everybody is required to get oh, that insurance. Got it. got it. So that was another problem for Republicans. It, it's tough to get everyone signed on to that because yeah. it's like, well, what do people do with the work provided insurance? That's yeah. There's a lot of things that you have to go up against initially once mm-hmm. you see something like that. And uh, that was one of the gripes for the Republicans is that they didn't feel that that was right for somebody to be required to have to get this insurance Otherwise, they would be penalized by it, and the penalty would start off like 100 200 bucks, and then it would go higher the more longer. Yeah, you even don't. when you even did your taxes, they during this time you would get you would get penalized for every month that you didn't get it. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah, I remember uh, literally getting taxed for it. Yeah, so that was a big problem. The Republicans felt like you know you shouldn't there shouldn't be a mandate. You should be free to choose whether you want health insurance or not, or whatever. And there's Two different arguments to that I think it's you tough. can have. Dude, you know, the, so. the, idea, the idea of us trying to get, and this is going to be a tough topic for someone to try to initiate if they ever do decide to make this one of their presidential running points, is trying to get universal health care done across the board. Yeah. Get ready because the one thing that I have to see is everyone's getting taxed 20, 25%. Mm-hmm. Every, sales tax, everything. You know, just, just, that's one of the ideas that you can see. And the way that uh, Barack did it on a low level made it work. You, you know, you only give the, the health care that the, to the people that need it lower, maybe the middle class, everyone else doesn't need it. If the people that have people that have jobs won't need it because the, you know, their work will give you health insurance, health insurance that you'll still have to pay for, you know, mm-hmm. with deductibles, co-pays and all that. But you don't see it getting taken out of your check because it's already been deducted. Yeah. So yeah. that's a good point to bring up, especially with that, because big, yeah, a lot of things, big, it's one big. of the many things that didn't get off the ground because of the, um, the strongholds that uh, Barack was facing during his time. Yeah. Another big thing during his presidency that I remember is the Trayvon Martin shooting uh, and Ferguson. Uh, those are two big, two big incidences. He also that, had to deal with Sandy Hook. Yeah. Sandy Hook is another one. Yeah. Sandy Hook is another one. A lot, and, he, a lot of school shootings gets, instead of dealing with this outside, this outside threat, which he'd still had to face, you know, mm-hmm. he was still feeling the, the reverb of nine 11 and all that, but mm-hmm. he had to deal with, uh, domestic issues here mm-hmm. at home. Yeah. A lot of them. Right. More, more than, more than usual. The shooting I know really affected Obama. Um, you know, he was, that's when he was seen kind of like getting teary eyed. 
uh, during a press conference um, regarding that. I think from a Republican perspective, it almost felt like a lot of incidences that were happening were being used to push the gun control agenda. But what I would say to this is that and it's all perspective. And yes. if they're looking at it from this perspective, it could look this way. But then I look at it from the other side too, is that these are reasons why something needs to get passed or why why something needs to happen to restrain those kind of incidences from happening because they were happening pretty often. Yeah. We've seen and, and, and it was a matter of the kids just grabbing these these power these weapons and just going to town on a mm-hmm. school mm-hmm. you know we we got early early seeds of that with columbine mm-hmm. but then after that there was just a blank period of that not happening what a lot of people don't know is that school shootings happen all the time and the fact is is that i think i think brock suffered from suffered from the issue of these school shootings being magnified by whatever press that you have to talk about, whether it be CNN, Fox news, he, anytime there's a, there's a hot button issue that someone can actually play a bunch of topics on. That's more airtime for the newscasters. That's more airtime for segments for people to come on as guests. So that means that it's going to get magnified. Yeah. Whether it makes national headlines or not. So I think at at that point in time, I think it was already known that Obama was trying to push gun control. Uh, so what he did is after Sandy Hook, he said, I'm stepping out of this, Biden, I need you to take the horns on this and try to make some, some, something pass to, yeah. to resolve this. So Biden went to like some uh, Republican and, and uh, Senator and, and I think another person to try to make that happen. Um, what ultimately it didn't get passed. Um, it didn't get passed. So that's another kind of scene as, you know, uh, step back I think as um, far as him wanting to change something but it couldn't get passed I'm certainly happy that we were able to have Barack Obama as our first black president as our as a president during our adult lives the first president of our adult lives I I commend him wholeheartedly for going out there doing every speech that he did he's a very one of the best public speaking presidents we've ever had mm-hmm I am surprised he went out there every single time because in his shoes, going out there doing speeches amongst big crowds, I give him all the credit for being that brave because there's nothing that upsets radical neo-Nazis than a, than a powerful black man. Mm -hmm. And Barry was every single ounce of that. And for him being a good success story of starting out and actually going to school, becoming uh, what he did, taking Harvard Law to school, basically, and doing what he did. It's cool to see that kind of story of him actually making it happen for himself versus Bush Jr. versus everyone else that kind of got a little a little leg up on the competition. Yeah, Bush Jr. for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I was going to say that, you know, um, uh, that, you know, Republicans, I feel like, might not be for gun control legislation because they feel uh, you give them an inch, they'll take a mile for something to that extent. You know, you start, you start making regulations on this and then all of a sudden our whole freedom is stripped. Everyone's going to be like, well, what's next? What else are you going to take from me? So that, that's kind of their, the, the reason why they oppose it. 
um, and they, uh, I, I feel like, feel that slowly but surely the whole freedom itself would be taken away. Yeah. Every, you know, every, that's every Republican's fear. It's a fear. It's is, a fear. is that the next move is going to be, oh yeah, next it's, it's, uh, 1940, 1940s Germany, mm-hmm. the next minute because of how incredibly in control we are. We're going to be knocking your doors, taking, taking your weapons and stuff yeah. like that. That's, it's, it's that innate fear that it's all going to end up coming into that way, starting with gun control, you know, starting with it's starting with that issue. Like, oh, wait, you're going to take all my guns, you know, yeah. it's the guns that are banned. You're going to end up taking those. And like, I think there could be definitely a compromise like, you know, machine guns and stuff like that. Are those really necessary? You know, those are, I think, pretty easy questions. I don't think a machine gun is necessary for something, you know, and I think they already regulate that already, but. Just, just for example, like I think there are some things that we can, we can. I, a lot of people, compromise. a lot of people could do without a Tommy gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's you know. why it's one of the very, very first weapons to get yeah. <laughs> right. take care of. It's like, oh my gosh. Um, the, you know, uh, and, and what I was gonna say is that one of the big things that we uh, forgot to talk about with Barack Obama was the the housing crisis. So, you know, the market. Oh crash. yes, the big crash yeah, that of was, That yeah. was a that was like to begin to start off. You know his. That's uh, right too. So yep. he actually um, going to the first president to have a, install a basketball court. I don't know inside the White House because mm-hmm. I know Reagan had a bowling alley. Mm-hmm. I know Barry had. I don't know where they're gonna. I don't know where they put a basketball court, but they put it somewhere. <laughs> I don't know how big the White House is. I don't know how low it goes, how high it is. One but. of the reasons why they have he has his criticisms though is because of the way he handled that. Because that's a hard situation. You know, any move, if you don't help out the banks, that might even further devastate our economy. Yeah. If we don't bail out any, if you do the tax, that's the wrong message because now it's like the taxpayers are paying for this problem and the bankers get away scot-free. Yeah. So you could see how that was a hard situation. Uh, And that's why he's kind of criticized because it, it felt like. Oh, it's like plugging. It's problem. like plugging the big, the big leak. Yeah, and then out of it comes like three or four small leaks. Uh-huh. Not as big, but you end up taking care of this big problem that could have been potentially more dangerous. And they felt like he could have gotten harder on those bankers, you know, on a more severe punishment. But instead, they're kind of like scot free. So, so that's a that's a criticism on his presidency, uh, from I know for sure Republicans. But um, from that point on, it. And this is kind of why Trump comes into play as far as the Tea Party, Republican Party, and why they felt um, some sort of, um, they just kind of felt that it was almost like a controlled decline on the American people. Um, and so this is kind of now why you start to have the Tea Party movement, because they feel that we're slowly becoming on an economic decline and the elite are getting more powerful, like the bankers, you know, Wall Street, whatever, becoming more powerful while we, the taxpayer, are paying for it. So mm-hmm. that's, this is why you have the Tea Party movement where we want, okay, somebody to disrupt this. Who's going to yeah, be that take care of this? Take care of this trend. Right. So it comes down to, I remember it so vividly. It's 2016. You and I are at Etiwanda Roadhouse. Yep. One of the great bar and eatery at Rancho Cucamonga. Shout out to Mike. We're seeing the the voting process for Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump 
historic in every which way because you'll have end up you'll end up having the first not a la Arnold Schwarzenegger being the first governor you know actor foreign uh, uh, we're not seeing something like that and we're mm-hmm. not seeing something like Reagan right. no 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 this is just this businessman that came along the way former reality star a lot of people did not believe it actually becoming president yeah and it was going to be historic on the democratic side because not only would you have consecutive terms of a, of a uh, back-to-back uh, democrats mm-hmm. but you'd also have Hillary Clinton being the first uh being the first uh woman president and it would actually go Clinton Bush Clinton it would it would have been really crazy it would have been uh, well no Clinton Bush uh Barry and then and then Clinton again, and then you'd look like, whoa, Bill Clinton did three terms. Like, no, hold on, it was his wife. <laughs> it would have been crazy to see, but so we're seeing the uh, you and I are seeing the electoral electoral college votes, and we're seeing the popular vote. We're seeing this transition happen where, holy crap, Hillary's losing these states. Whoa, this blue state now just went to red. Oh crap! And I'm halfway down my first beer and I'm like, holy crap, he's going to do it. Oh my goodness. I'm going to get another beer. I'm not ready for this. Um, initially we were there watching a Laker, a Laker game and yep. we ended up seeing this. We, we, our attention went from, wow, he actually got the Republican nomination to now, whoa, this dude's actually going to get sworn in. And then I remember the first day, of his presidency, I wake up and it's like eight in the morning and this dude's signing this executive order to get the pipeline ran through that Native American, uh, uh, that Native American uh, uh, territory was it through Missouri. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy's already starting controversy. Christ. Um, so a lot of people look at his controversy. You can look at it at a different point to where he's trying to make advancements in the right direction for some things to happen. This guy is a very polarizing president because you can take all the good things that you see from him that he's done, take the person away, and just take it for take it for its face value, and you can immediately be labeled as a sympathizer towards towards racism, towards all this these other things, and it's very controversial to even talk about this guy. Like right now, this yeah. is a hot a yeah. hot topic to talk about because now. From and and I personally I don't care, I'm I'm down with whatever we're talking about now because it's like opinions, you can either take it take it or leave it, mm-hmm. and it's in- just tough. The interesting part is that Trump wanted to actually initially run against Obama. He felt like he could take Obama, but he found that no support that was going to be an impossibility because <laughs> right. Obama was going to run amok on him. So I think he held back and he waited and bided his time. And that's when the birther movement and stuff uh, happened. And uh, he basically jumped, you know, became the face of that. Uh, and then, uh, and then so now that he wins over Hillary, you know, I think the problem was Hillary wasn't liked across the aisle, you know, no, from both I, sides. For either party. Because I still had the issue of what, when you ended up finding out that there was a lot of time where, People, people at the Benghazi uh, embassy could have been alerted about stuff. Yeah. At that point, I was just like, hell no. Never, ever 
It, like mm-hmm. it, all the cards were in favor for this guy to get elected because me looking at the issues that she was dealing with were th- with with her being secretary of state and then all of a sudden jumping out and not being secretary of state. Yeah. I personally think that there was something that would have been unearthed at the time that she was elected of secretary of state that she had to bounce out. You're telling me that she bounces out of secretary of state and she says, oh, she, she, she cited it as illness. But then she's healthy enough to jump in as president a couple of years later. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> it, it, guys, yeah. you guys have to do your research on that issue because it's just something that just never sat well with me where you, you end up going into secretary of state and then halfway through your term, you bounce out. Mm-hmm. And then you end up, oh, well, I'm good enough to go in as for, 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 to be elected for president. Mm-hmm. If the roles were reversed for that, it would have been a different issue of like, oh, cowardice. But no yeah. one wants to label it as that. Right, right. Oh, so I marked that. So uh, it wasn't the place for her to get. It wasn't. It was a tough time for her to be elected at that point because she wasn't getting support support from the party that she's running yeah. with. Yeah, there was a whole thing. There was a couple of things. I mean, one the, the whole DNC issue where you know they basically uh, it was shown that they weren't going to go um, Bernie Sanders that they were going Hillary. And that was a kind of an issue. Then yeah. FBI director, you know, says that the investigation is still open. And so that was another thing right before. Oh, yeah, because she was election. still going under investigation, yeah. too. Oh, so that was a whole other thing, too. So she didn't really set herself up for success there. Um, I was telling Mark that, you know, before all this, uh, Obama was working on um, immigration reform with the House Speaker at the time. Uh, Canton. Canton, I believe it was. Eric Canton. And I was telling Mark that, you know, at the time... Um, Breitbart and all this alt-right uh, pundits or whatever were basically kind of trashing uh, Harry Kenton because he was working kind of in secret with Obama to like make a compromise um, so they could get immigration reform done. And it never got done because uh, the Tea Party basically turned against Eric Cantor, uh, Kenton and they, they uh, voted him down and they had somebody replace him, whatever. So Obama knew that re- re- immigration reform couldn't get done. And so um, I think that's at the time when Republicans realized that we need a younger demographic because our party is going to start shrinking if we don't get a younger demographic caring about. Who was that House Speaker after him? Paul Ryan? What was his name? Paul Ryan was the House Speaker. I forgot what years he was the House Speaker. So it wasn't he didn't take over after that House Speaker that you're talking about. Think somebody else did. Okay. Somebody All right. Well, anyway, that was just that. That was just one of the. Yeah. It was Paul Ryan. Paul right? Ryan was going to run with uh, Mick Mick uh, Mitt Romney. Rock. He was oh, going to run with Mick Romney. got it. That's what it was. Yeah. All right. And anyway. so at and uh, and Trump even you know gave his what you call it. He signed on to Mick Romney too. So that's another reason too why he ran for president because he saw Romney fail so badly that he thought I'm just going to do it. You know? <laughs> yeah. So that was another thing too that helped stimulate that. So, uh, so yeah, so now Trump starts talking about the, the immigration reform and his advisor tells him, you know, you're kind of all over the place. You're going to get sidetracked and all these different things. Just talk about the wall and the mm, wall would be yeah. his and central that, focal point where he can always come back to. And, and that wall. is the one way where you piss a bunch of Latinos off. Yes. You start talking about a wall, um, for, and he starts going over the top and for, yeah. yeah. For a lot of, for a lot of Hispanic Americans, and uh, and predominantly Mexicans, the one way to get to a better life is to immigrate here, and 
you know, have a, an established minimum wage and you can work your way up ranks and, and achieve the American dream. Arnold did it. Uh, a lot of other people did it. Um, I was really going to reference Tony Montana right now, but <laughs> it's a little different. Um, but going to what I'm saying is that the one way that that uh, Don, that Donnie was uh, labeled as this this monstrous kind of character is in col- in collaboration with talking about building a wall, which in essence is talking about just border control all over. Mm-hmm. And the other issue where during a press conference, he tells um, predominantly known uh, news anchor Jorge Ramos to go back to Mexico. <laughs> Yeah, I remember you that. remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he tells him to go back to Mexico, and that's pretty much telling. That, that's pretty much tell. That's spitting in the face of every Mex uh, of every Mexican because Univision has Jorge Ramos on all the time. He's like their Bar- Barbara Walters. Mm-hmm. So already he's already going against up a lot of issues. Total, total, uh, total, total number of people that hate him. No, or, I was gonna say total oh. opposite, polarizing opposite to Obama, right? Because I was oh, watching I was every watching, single way. I was watching when Obama had this big, uh, this big bad news about Republicans taking the Senate and the Congress at the time. You know that's horrible news, and it's almost looked at like your presidency is failing. Um, now at that time, Obama he's facing the media. He calls a big press conference, calls all you know all the networks to come in. And this guy handles it like a G, you know, and mind you, I am Republican myself. So for me to even say that, you know, says something to, to, to for uh, Barack Obama, he answers the hard hitting questions. They're asking him some tough questions like, Obama, do you have to change things up? Do you have to rethink about your the way you're operating? They're, they're asking him these tough questions and he's and he's answering them like, Boom, answering them very like saying, no, we're not changing direction. We're, we're still in the, in the same uh, boat. He goes, unfortunately, what you see happening is um, is the American people and they, they want things done. He goes, and I, we are working at trying to get things done, you know, but he goes, unfortunately, things don't happen as fast as, you know, people want them to happen. And you see the political system working. People are voting and this is what's saying. He goes, hopefully, he goes, I'm going to try to, work with McConnell and try to work with the house speaker and, <laughs> and trying to get, you know, try to yeah. see what their agenda is to try to get something, you know, done. who, who is a Republican house speaker. Yeah. He, McConnell is uh, the Senate leader. Right. Yeah. So that's a whole nother beast there. But um, so, you know, his professionalism, the way he answered those tough hitting questions, polar opposite to what you would see today with Donald Trump answering yeah. tough questions. Donald Trump just, just simply attacking. has no filter. Yeah, and is given is given a stack of paper written written for him, mm-hmm. and essentially he takes that stack of paper and reads off a few sentences and then just. <laughs> Crumbles it up and just freestyles. Yeah. It's like one of the first improvisational presidents I've ever seen right. go about how he does. And you're mentioning polar opposite. Polar opposite in every way. Mm-hmm. Barack Obama is was the people's president. We, we, we went out and voted for him. I distinctly remember voting for him. And here we have this other, you know, 
we had our current president, Donald Trump. And I can't believe I'm saying that still in 20 in 2020, Donald Trump was our freaking president. Fifth, sorry to sidetrack, but 50 years from now, people are going to look and see the timeline of, and they're going to see all the headshots of presidents and they're, they're going to look at Donald's photo and they're like, are you for real? Like people that are not attuned to mm-hmm. the fact that he was president, people are going to assume it as a joke. Mm-hmm. And that, it's it's sorry to say that, but it's it's of the characteristics of what he has done during his presidency. Not not the not the the political not the political way, but more not what he did in the interior inside the Oval Office with his cabinet. Mm-hmm. But no, it was when he was unleashed. With speeches, telling people to, it's maybe all right to inject bleach to to disrupt COVID. And ended up what happening. People tried to do it. It's, it sucks because for the stuff that he did in the interior, amongst supervision with cabinets, with his cabinet and his administrators, he's he ends up, oh man, he's going out by himself doing the speech crap. Mm-hmm. Like, he, like, it's one of the reasons why his, one of his... Um, was it Nancy Pelosi that resigned? No, I think one she's of his, still been there. one of his, a lot of his cabinet ended up getting indicted. I think resigned. Sessions stepped down after he was he was recused. Omarosa, I remember she quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a reality TV star too that was brought on along The Apprentice, mm-hmm. and she becomes a cabinet. She becomes mm-hmm. part of his cabinet. Mm-hmm. Linda McMahon, Vince McMahon's wife, ended up being part of his cabinet. Mm. I remember that. Um, but going back to what I'm saying, to the genesis of what I'm saying is that you have these things getting done inside the Oval Office with his presidency, but you are, this is a double-edged sword. So when that sword comes back, it's coming back in the form of, oh, wow, he's doing speeches on his own. Like, oh no, he's saying some stuff that we have to go back and like bandaid up, cover up. What I, the person that I wanted to say that resigned was, um, what the, 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 the woman that and had to, uh, coordinate all the speeches and stuff like that and coordinate his, his every move. Like, Oh, you're talking about, um, but she Huckabee? resigned. Remember Huckabee? No. Sarah Huckabee. Yeah. You're not. Talking yes. About her. Are you talking Didn't about her? she resign? Uh, I think yeah, she said retired or whatever. Oh, okay, yeah. So she, but he had a lot of those. He had like Pence. I'm oh, not Pence. Um, uh, what was his name? He had another guy too that was speaking. Yeah. So you had just people that came in and out. It was literally a revolving door administration mm-hmm. with people either getting caught up. Um, his uh, his Secretary of Defense ended up getting uh, getting his uh, Mad Dog. Uh, I forget his name too, man. But any anyway. This this is why we have this issue now where a lot of people just don't like the side of this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't see people treeping during the stimulus check. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Yeah. But when it came to a lot of people were quiet about that, as a matter of fact. Yeah. And no one complained about free money. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the issue that I got along the way was just like, hey, there was stuff getting done. The economy was thriving. Everything was going good. And, and what we have now is just like, well, he's out now as of right now, November, what? 7th, 
November 7th, we have got we have gotten the news that president we have a new president elect. So come January, he's when he's inaugurated, um, Joe Biden will be running the show. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, in clo- do you have anything in closing you want with uh, talking about President Trump? Uh, talking about with President Trump, I I do uh, want to mention that, but by polar opposites too. I also mean in the the uh, uh, Obama was more kind of also kind of in a way uh, kind of a globalist in a sense. Whereas Trump is more kind of nationalist about our, our country. So that That's was a vast true. difference. Um, and then also to, um, you know, Trump was supposed to be kind of without the super PAC behind him. It was more like him fighting for the people. So, right. right. But it was kind of more, we won't, as, as we found out, it was more kind of for himself. Right. Um, and the end of it. So that was kind of the end result of that. I, I, I do want to say as Trump exits now the presidency, there still exists, and we've seen it through the elections because it was there was quite a turnout in voting, probably like the most record-breaking early votes that we've ever had, and just voting in in general. Um, but we do see a big turnout from both sides. Um, meaning, it was supposed to be a landslide. It was supposed to be a complete repudiation of Trumpism, but that quite wasn't the picture either. So. Also, too, that there was a victory, you know, with Mitch McConnell still being there in the Senate. You know, it could still go close. It could be 50-50, and then the vice president will have to make the tie breaker. Got it. But it could also go the Republican route in the Senate. And if it does, will we see the same Mitch McConnell that we saw during the end years of Obama, where nothing could get done because they were just going to reject everything that came their way? Will we have a constrained Biden presidency because of that? And then there's a lot more power now because of what Bush Jr. did in the executive office. So, you know, probably there's there's some executive things that could get done. Yeah. But Trump as a whole, I think, has failed to deliver what he promised in regards to uh, reform uh, with immigration reform, building the wall even. That didn't really come to fruition and having Mexico pay for it. <laughs> also, the, the health care system they were supposed to do right. repeal and replace they were all Republicans. There was a Republican Senate, Republican Congress, and executive, and they still couldn't get it done. So, so well said. that is a failure to me that you cannot get that done. He had the, every opportunity to convince his own Republican Party to make it happen. But what, what failed is he didn't know the details enough to really convince people like this. Let's do this and let's make it work. Instead, he was trying to sweet talk the deal like, hey, let's just get it done. I just want to win. But he didn't really dig his teeth deep into the policy to try to make that health care plan work. And I don't want to. I don't want to make this. And to, I, I hate the fact that you gave me this alley. You this is you just stalked into Malone <laughs> right now. I'm going to slam dunk this. But we're also dealing with. And to give the 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 cherry on top to this uh to the shit sunday of a presidency and it's it's it just it sucks because we're dealing now in month 11 of a global pandemic that we have to deal with had this been taken care of earlier and not been denied this is this would have been a different situation Yes. Totally different situation. All and the way it's unfortunate. up to the elections, too, because he was going, doing rallies and everything with people, no mask and everything. Really? Like, to me, it's like, really, dude? You're going to just totally disregard 
even taking the basic precaution, like why do you have to be over the top like that? To me, it's it's kind of like why do you have to, like what gain is it for you to do that? To me, yeah. To me, it's kind of irresponsible. But the um, yeah, that was just one of the many things that it was. I've never seen this country so divided amongst political parties. So 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 charged, uh-huh. like with with angst of wanting to get your opinion heard whether you're for him or against him like it's been real like from 2016 to 2020 it's been really really there's just a negative cloud in social media there's just been a negative cloud on on anything like uh, related to politics everyone's everyone's so amped up about this and now we're here and this is what I want to talk about for the, for the last segment here on come sit with us. So now here we are. It's November 7th. Trump's out. He only has a few more months of his presidency left. Great. You guys voted him out. Got your ballots in, handled it. Okay. So what now? What are you guys going to do now? You have no one to complain about. You have no issues to be pissed off about. This is your time for... This is your time to change. Because I know this election's come and gone, and I hope you've all got the president you wanted to get so very much. Whether you voted for him or not, this is now who you have to deal with. This is Joe Biden. Vice President Kamala Harris. This comes down to the very citizens that voted for him. Now, the last four years, Isaiah and myself have seen someone being the target of everyone else's problems and misery. Everyone has blamed Trump for a bunch of issues. So now that's out the window. So what are you guys going to do about it? Like, what, what? this is... Now we're on an even playing field now because now I've seen that apparently because of this guy, there was a lot of levels of of uh, adversity you had to go through apparently. Now that's gone. There's a Democratic there's a Democratic president coming in January. So that change is coming. So now what are we going to do to change all of what your frustrations now are gone and out the way? I hope this leads into this, into this, uh, this pasture piece that you guys want to see. I hope that happens, or, or I see something coming down the wayside where it's going to be the same old shit for you guys. What is it going to be? I mean, he's out the office just like you wanted. So, what changes are you going to do within yourself and implement now? Because. I know with me and with Isaiah and with everyone else amongst the circle, the ball kept, the ball keeps rolling no matter what president you guys have to deal with. You guys just guys got it. We all got to make it happen in any which way we can. So I really hope that the people that were really rallying against, against this change, you know, making it, making it to where our, our former president was this, this evil entity that couldn't be defeated. Okay, great. He's defeated now. So 
I hope that you guys find a way to take all this frustration and all these issues and find a way to put them by the wayside and actually do something about what you wanted to get done. Simple and plain. Because the last four years was really painful to get through. On my feeds, with various opinions, I'm glad that shit's done. I'm I'm I am excited. The I'm excited because no matter the present to me, I'm just happy that this is going to be all over now. Because now there's no one else. There's no no one to blame now. Isaiah, this is the first present that I had that everyone was. Well, people were putting a blame on, not the people that were for him, but a lot of people that were against him. Yeah, you know, I see Biden as. At first, I, at first, when I saw Biden, I, I saw him as somebody who might fumble his words, you know, somebody who was kind of waiting to like, oh, Biden, don't say that or, you know, but it's it kind of shows you the slow and steady win the race because he's just been campaigning slowly. You've been pacing it out. And up to this point now, he's a clear majority victor. So it shows you he didn't have to he didn't even have to talk about his policy that much. It was a referendum, him or me, and that was enough to do it, which is uh, amazing because we I don't remember a president who was just able to be like him him or me. That's it. Like, you know, yeah. you might not agree with me. <laughs> he's literally getting his stuff ready for the Oval Office. He's like, you want that? Is that what you want? This or that. Yeah. This or you that. Know, and he won it this way. Very simple. And even people, I saw people that were Democrat, didn't even fully agree with them, but they made it, they called it a chess move, which is what it is. And I congratulate Biden. I think he will do fine. I don't think it's the end of the world. Like some on the alt-right think, um, Oh, people think we're going right into, to communist Russia yeah, right now. Right. So there's two extremes of course, but you know, I believe everything will be just fine with Biden. There's nothing to worry about. And it, it also just shows you, you know, behavior matters, you know, the way you you have common decency that matters as a president, you know, to just say only, um, and I'm talking about Republicans, to just say, oh, look past that, look at policy only. Well, behavior matters too, and we see that evident here. You know, that also does p- play. And for me, I see it as in the future, if we ever pick a Republican candidate, we need somebody who does know how to speak and have common manners because that's going to play a huge deal in representation of the United States. He got his work cut out for him. Yep. Yeah. Uh, as far as doing PR or how not to do speeches. Yeah. We have a freaking highlight reel four years in the making. <laughs> as what not to do. Yep, and it's unfortunate. Exactly. You know, it's unfortunate, it's unfortunate we had someone represent us for four years on the contrast of who we had for eight, who mm-hmm. was just the model American. Mm-hmm. So as far as speeches, Obama been, I mean, he goes up there, no, no negative aspects to his speeches, you know, and I may disagree with some of his policies uh, or his philosophy, but still I can't knock his speeches at all. This guy is almost flawless in speeches. I, for the positive affirmation I have for you guys is I hope that this change, this presidential change helps subside this issue you had with our our for, uh, our upcoming former president. So hopefully 
a change goes within yourself and happens to where now you don't have this person to be the uh, scapegoat for what you can't get done. I'll say it plain and simple. You know, that's what I think. I mean, I I can't speak about it enough, and I hope that changes for you guys. And um, congratulations to President Biden. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for sticking with us on a very lengthy, lengthy episode of Come Sit With Us. Uh, I'm Mark Flores. And I'm Isaiah Martinez. And most importantly, guys, be well. Mm-hmm.